Welcome to Locked On NBA Draft. I'm your host, Leaf Tulane. On this show, which today is sponsored by our friends at Build Bar, we will be analyzing different NBA prospects every episode, presenting you with various perspectives on every prospect coming from the Locked On NBA hosts and NBA draft experts. Today, you'll be hearing all you need to know about Sadiq Bey, a sophomore sharpshooter and versatile wing from Villanova. With more on Bay, here's the Locked On Mavericks hosts, Nick Angstead and Isaac Harris, who love Sadiq Bey. Let's do the overview. Sadiq Bey, 6'8", 216 pounds, 6'10", wingspan. He's going to be 21 years old at the time of the draft. Went to school at Villanova. Jay Wright, Jalen Brunson's alma mater. The Ringers' one sentence sentence says he's an ideal 3 and D wing with versatility on both ends. Plus, he makes an impact even if he's not scoring. Uh, Strengths. Let's just go through some strengths for Sadiq Bey. I mean... Awesome spot-up shooter, right? Yeah. Uh, he's an awesome, a quick release, comfortable scorer off the dribble. He added that to his game as well. Uh, he just became a, a really, really good shooter in the uh, in college. And then on defense, he's a pretty versatile defender, has a long wingspan, has the you know capability to match up against a bunch of different positions, has the size and agility, all that kind of stuff. Um yeah, I think that he's basically just like your 3 and D wing that you would want, right? He's like that prototypical 3 and D wing. That's his strength. Any other strengths you want to add to him? No, I mean, that's it. I think, you know, we're talking about Aaron Neesmith today, too, in the second half of this pod. And, you know, naturally, I've been comparing both of these guys um, of, like, what's the difference? They're both outstanding shooters, both, you know, 3 and D type of, you know, guys that the Mavericks would like and a lot of teams would like. But I think for Bay, he's a little bit better ball handler and he's a little bit better decision maker. And I think you have to – I, I was listening to – I think it was Chad Ford on this network. I was listening to him and uh, – Chad Tony Ford's Jones NBA up. big board. Exactly. Love Chad Ford. And uh, I think he was talking to Tony Jones, and they were talking about Sadiq yeah. Bay. And Tony Jones said the same thing that I like to say all the time. I was like, he's, he said, I love, I love Villanova kids. And it's just that's the – like people around the NBA, they love Villanova guys. You see what Eric Paschal did in Golden State this past mm-hmm. year as a second-round pick. He looks like he's an actual legit like role player for them next year or should be. Jalen Brunson, mm-hmm. Josh Hart. We could keep on going. Mikel Bridges. Bridges. Yeah, so like they have – like they're producing guys, Villanova is. And for Dallas, this has to be a plus too because Dallas really likes Jay Wright. They have connections to Jay Wright and stuff a lot. Uh, front office, Team USA stuff. Uh, so they have a close relationship with him. He just fits everything. He's like Sadiq Bey in a way. I mean, he's the he's 21, like you said. He's the older version of – older bigger wing version of Jalen Brunson kind of for Villanova except he didn't have the accolades that Jalen Brunson did in college all right Isaac Harris let's get into some more about Sadiq Bey I mean the the strengths I think it just kind of speaks for itself right we'll talk more about you know what he's done and different things like that and how he's changed his game but I think we've covered the strengths pretty well it's pretty pretty cut and dry for him weaknesses he's not super explosive he's not going to be like your you know your elite athlete type of guy um he doesn't really have a that great of a, a quick step the shooting size is is sort of at a, at a small sample size uh but 37 percent his first year at like 3.6 attempts per game from three as a freshman 45 percent from three his sophomore year at 5.6 attempts like that that second year is really good sample but the first one is kind of a little bit smaller so good shooter great shooter maybe but elite shooter Probably, maybe, you know, it's kind of hard with some of these these college numbers to know exactly. Um, 
By the way, availability. The Ringer had him at 18. I think I, I think they saw I saw they had him at 16 recently in the newest one. ESPN had him mocked at 18. The Athletic at 16, and then Tankathon at 13. Um, what Chad is, Ford had him at 23. Chad Ford did. Yeah, I was surprised. We'll take that. We'll we'll take that anywhere yes. that puts him in the Mavs range. So he is probably going to be in the Mavs range. A lot of people are saying that he might go higher. Um, you know, talk to Jonathan Charks, and he's like, I don't think he's going to even be there for the Mavs. So he didn't even really consider that. Um, ceiling and floor for him. What, what's something that what's what's the ceiling and a floor for Sadiq Bay? Uh, it seems pretty cut and dry to me because. How can you not use a player that's a good three point, good to great three point shooter that has the tools to be a good defender? I mean, what? Yeah. How many of those guys fail in the NBA? I know. That I was. We were talking before, and I was talking about how I was, I was trying to find a comp, and I was just watching more clips of him. I was looking at his synergy stuff, and I'm like, all right, you got to have this guy who has to like who is somebody in the league that's got size that plays the wing spot that can handle it a little bit, shoots it really well, and can play defense really well. And it's just kind of hard because you find these guys that can do one or they can do the other, but it's like, can they do The guys both? that can do both are like all-stars, like Kawhi, exactly. Paul George, like Middleton. So like, so like throwing names out there, you're like, oh, wow, this guy, okay, if he's going to be this guy, then he's going to be Jaylen top Brown. three then. So for me, I was watching, I was like, all right, can Chris Middleton be like a guy that he shoots for? So I think ceiling, ceiling, ceiling version of Sadiq Bey is a Chris Middleton type. And yeah. I felt validated when I was watching Mike Smith and he brings up like he watches tape of Middleton with Sadiq Bey. So I was like, oh, thank God I'm not like far out there <laughs> on this. Uh, I think his floor is like Jay Crowder. That's so yeah. I think it's Jay Crowder floor, Chris Middleton type of ceiling if he improves on the ball handling, stuff like that. Because if you watch the ESPN breakdown, Smith's brought up that his freshman year, and they talk about this, his freshman year, he didn't really handle the ball that much. Yeah. And he credits that to Eric Pascoe, and it was only like under 10 possessions or something. Yeah, he his had nine, po- nine ball screen possessions as a freshman. I thought that was a fascinating stat, too. Nine possessions where he was the, the, the ball handler in a pick and roll, where someone set a screen for him. And then his sophomore year, it was 17% of his possessions he had a ball screen. So he really... 196 possessions. Yeah, that's a ton. (laughs) So it went up because because of, you know, Eric Pascoe left and he became a focal point of that offense. Exactly. Not 196. I was looking at Tim Hardaway Jr.'s. I was trying to compare him. But it was still 66. So, I mean, for... That's a lot. 17% of his possessions, 66 total possessions. Still a lot. Exactly. That's his second second highest offensive category. His top one was spot-up shots at 26% of his offensive possessions. Yeah. No, yeah, I absolutely love everything about Sadiq Bey. I mentioned this on the last pod, but I, I texted one of... Is it a flex or not? I was texting with one of the Villanova assistant coaches... It is. ...about, about Sadiq Bey and just... I mean, the dude is just raving about him, how coachable he is, how he puts so much work in the gym, and just everything about him. Villanova assistant coaches rave about Sadiq Bay. Nick and Isaac love him for the Mavs, and we've got lots more analysis to come.
Please make sure to subscribe to Locked on NBA Draft if you haven't already. And let your NBA Draft-loving friends know, too. They'll find great analysis on draft prospects from Locked on NBA hosts and each and every episode, just like that of Nick Angstead and Isaac Harris of Locked on Mavericks, who we are going back to for more on their guy, Villanova small forward Sadiq Bey. But, yeah, if we have to pick out a, wit- uh, a weakness about this, is he's he's not somebody you're going to give the ball to and say let's run the offense. I wouldn't. Yeah. If you get Sadiq Bay, you're not. I don't. I don't think you're getting a CJ McCollum. I don't think you're no. going to get a guy that you're saying, all right, let's give it to him and we're going to run some offensive set through him. But that's not what we really need in Dallas. And could he progress to that point? Possibly. I don't know. But uh, I I think he can handle it better than Aaron Neesmith can. Uh, but I would yeah. take Aaron Neesmith shooting a little bit more than Bay's. But anyway, yeah, that's my that's my thing and. Here's what I want to throw out there, too. It feels like guys like him can step in day one and contribute. It feels like when you look around the league, you look at some of these teams like a Royce O'Neal, a Dorian Finney-Smith. You know, these are two playoff teams in Utah and Dallas that both of these guys are... Undrafted, right? Undrafted. I can't remember about Royce O'Neal. Pretty sure he was. These guys who are asked to play defense, they're asked to hit the open shot, and that's what... Like Sadiq Bay is going to be asked to like do in Dallas if he comes here, so I like that. I like him going to a system like that too, and I think this plays into when you look at a guy, look at Jarrett Culver, and when you when you get a guy that goes in a top five, the expectations for like you're expected to do so much more, and you go to a very bad team. Even Tony Jones in that podcast with Chad Ford, he was talking about Patrick Williams. He's like, I just want him to go to a, a team that. There's no big expectation. He's like, I don't want him to go to the Knicks. And I feel like that's one way to define this whole draft. Like, I don't want them to go to the Knicks. (laughs) Well, no, 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 no. I feel like you could define this whole draft in, I just don't want, I don't want them to have huge expectations year one. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, I think every player, every from the top to the bottom should be like, every one of these players, they're not a Zion Luka, but. Even Wiseman and Lamelo, it's like, man, I just want you to go to a system where like you're yeah. kind of eased into it. You're not thrown out there like Dennis Smith Jr. was in Dallas and all that stuff. Like, if Dennis went to a different type of system to where he was eased into it, what would his career look different? I don't know. Like, fit means so much more. I think with like guys like a Kungwu and Sadiq Bay, Nee Smith, even like what what's expected of them. I think you can't expect a lot of them because they have those elite skills, right? I think that well, I mean, you're not I mean, going expect, yeah. to expect them to do something outside of what they are projected to do, right? So it's like Sadiq like, Bay, you're not like going to put him in Culver. charge of an offense. But asking a lot of Sadiq Bay is like starting on a playoff team, right? That's asking a lot of him, but I think he'd do really well in that role. Yeah, I mean, like you're trying to, because you're on a sucky team and you're a high draft pick, you're expected to do so much more. Like, like, like R.J. Barrett. Culver, if, yeah, R.J. Barrett. If Jarrett Culver went to a team outside of the top eight or something and he was just a complimentary piece asked to defend and do like a couple things instead of you're a high pick in Minnesota our team sucks and you're playing a lot I'm not saying Culver's like a huge bust but that's what I'm saying like Neesmith and Bay is going to be asked in Dallas or a decent a good team okay what if a team drafts Neesmith what if the all right what if the Knicks take Aaron Neesmith and they're saying all right we want you to shoot the ball 15 times a game yeah, and they're like running offense through him and all this stuff. And we're like, well, dang, this dude like can't handle the ball and all this stuff. And it's like that's not what we're expecting of you. Like, what I missed the I missed the fit on that. But 
Yeah. Where do you want to go with the Sadiq Bay stuff? Also, Aaron Neesmith might like be really good at that, taking 15 shots a game. <laughs> he might be totally fine For at sure. that. Uh, I think that – so a couple other NBA comps. So Chris Middleton was one of them. Like Paul George is kind of like his his ceiling to mm. me, right? Like I think he could get there. Not as good with the ball as Paul George. Um, n- maybe not as good as of a defender right now, but – you know, Paul George wasn't that good when he first came out either. Right? He was he was playing behind Danny Granger, but like Paul George, Dorian, I think is a great comp for him. You know, Dorian now, like the, the player that Dorian is now, Sadiq Bay comes day one is that guy. Otto Porter Jr., Robert Covington, those type of guys, I think, and all, all those guys are starters, right? Or, yeah. or, or better. It's it's really hard to project him as something other than that. So is his like fl- the Morris brothers too in that yeah. category with Crowder yeah. and stuff. His floor to me is a usable player, <laughs> like even off yeah. the bench or just a starter, but he's going to be usable. Future role, I think for Dallas, I think he comes in as starter, right? Like I think he, you could uh, come in and start him, or just you bring him off the bench. But he's definitely going to yeah, get a, lo- a bunch of playing time. Yeah, I think the immediate the immediate battle is him and Dorian, right? Like who who's who's better? Or and, him and Seth if they decide to. Well, it depends on what they do with the starting lineup. I guess they'll probably go back with Dwight KP as the starting, you know, four five Dorian and then Tim. So yeah, it's between him and Dorian. Then you're right. Yeah, and I want to see what they do at the MLE and stuff like that. But either sure. way, or a trade. The, yeah, it's a it's a Dorian type, and is Bay automatic? It's going to be like Dorian's been in the system longer, knows the system, yeah. knows everything. Compared to Bay, might be a better three point shooter and all that. But either way, you, we need the more the merrier. Yeah, you win. You can play both those guys together eventually in some lineups, yes. right? Uh, all right, coming up, let's get into just a little bit more about Sadiq Bay. Then we'll get into Aaron Neesmith. Talk about him. We'll talk about that coming up. All right, Isaac. Let's end here with Sadiq Bey. Uh, roster impact. Hopefully he's a day one starter, but could be brought off the bench. Why should the Mavs take him? I just wrote obvious. Like, it's just obvious yeah. why they should take him. Uh, but I think what has to have some more explanation is why should the Mavs trade up for him? In one of our prediction podcasts, I said that the Mavs will, will trade up for Sadiq Bey. I think he has the potential to be a real key piece for a long, long time. Like a cost-controlled, perfect fit. Can play him anywhere. It's really safe pick. Like a really safe draft. That's another thing Charks told me about him was that he's the safest pick in the draft, basically. Yeah. That you get him and you know what you're getting. He showed a little bit more of you know some ball handling and some some uh, a little bit of playmaking as well. Uh, he went from 8.2 points a game as a freshman to 16.1 as a sophomore. And if you do that, you know per 40, like per 40 minutes, 11.1 points per game his freshman year to 19 points per game his sophomore year. Like he really g- got a lot of offensive load on him that second year. Uh, went from 1.3 assists a game to 2.4 assists a game, so he added that to his game a little bit too. Uh, he became a really good cutter. He can take advantage of smaller players in the mid-range and the post. That was something else that I, I, I didn't know about him. He's not just like a set shooter outside. He can you know take the ball inside. Some of the stuff we've seen Dorian do this year that we've been really impressed yeah. by. The you know I can you know Dorian can can pump fake and drive into the lane and shoot over the top of somebody. City Bay does that now, right? Um, yeah. And then defensively, he guards. He can he says that he can guard every position. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but he believes that. So, but he could. He definitely has the tools to do that, and he's a good defender already. So, like the Mavs could bet on this guy to become like a Paul George or a Chris Middleton, right? Like he could become a guy like that if he continues to progress and continues to get better, just like those guys did. Those guys didn't come in day one and were like all star looking guys. Both those two guys, Paul George, came in and was like, you know, 12 minute per game player. Chris Middleton wasn't, you know, all of a sudden like an all-star. So, I think they could bet on him being that and that's why you trade up for him. 
Yes. Yeah, I would I wouldn't necessarily say I would want to take Sadiq Bay saying you're you're our Chris Middleton you know in the future. That's who but you're betting on. I think you you would you'd look at it and say, All right, why are we interested in a Jay Crowder or a Morris brother or insert that type of player? It's okay, it's a guy like Sadiq Bay. And for him being twenty one, you'd have him under contract for a while. He could set there's no reason why Sadiq Bay couldn't give you next year what Markeith Morris could give you next year. You know, that's that's the type of thing. And then you have the upside. We talk about all the time. We want defenders. We want wings. We want guys who can hit the open shot when Luka passes him the ball. Sadiq Bey hits all of those categories, and he comes from a great program. He's an older rookie, all of that stuff. So <laughs> sign me up. If there's one player that we want more than anybody on the Mavericks, we want Sadiq Bey in Dallas. Yeah, we're not, we're not going up to, like, Devin Vassell or Okoru or – you know, like we're not going that high, but this is the guy in, in the range for the Mavs that we yeah. want. Beta the Mavs makes a lot of sense playing off ball, benefiting from Luca's passing ability, but will he be there for the Mavs? We'll hear more about where Bay could be drafted from Locked On, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board with guest Tony Jones, who covers the Utah Jazz for the Athletic. We'll break down where Sadiq Bay fits in the respective big boards. How high are you on Sadiq Bay? I've got him at I've got him at twenty three. Yeah, I see. I have Sadiq at around 15. Okay. Talk to me why you like Sadiq Bay. No, so, you know, th- th- it's the same thing with Sadiq Bay. I mean, he's a, he's a guy, you know, I don't think he's, he's going to be as dynamic. I don't think he has a dynamic offensive upside as, as Patrick Williams because he's not the athlete, um, but he's somebody that knows how to play basketball. And I love Villanova kids. And, you know, he's – I always said that you know, because I've uh, you know I've been covering this draft from from a Utah Jazz perspective, you know I've I've told Jazz fans you know for a while that you know Sadiq Bay would probably be you know their best case scenario um, coming out of this draft with the number three pick. Now he's not going to last to number twenty three, um, you know, but he's a guy that you know he defends really well. He shot the basketball extremely well in his sophomore season in Villanova. Shot 45% from three-point range. Um, you know, he showed upside as, you know, as, as a guy who uh, can potentially, um, you know, run some pick and roll, play some pick and roll. Uh, he's a terrific defensive defender. Uh, he's a guy that can guard um, one through four uh, at the NBA level, in my opinion. Uh, and when you can guard and, and, and switch and be a guy that, that can, you could just plug and play uh, in a rotation uh, of a playoff contender, uh, to me, that, that gives you real value uh, in this draft, especially with, in, in a draft like this um, that, doesn't have, that doesn't have the star power as, as other drafts. That's the range I have him, 15 to 25. I had him down a little bit lower. He's certainly in the mix with several other prospects that in one way or the other are competing with him. Precious Achua out of Memphis, you know, for example. Um, Jaden McDaniels, who's who's a probably the biggest swing or miss prospect in this draft. Well, he he's the most he's the most polarizing prospect in this draft for sure. Jaden McDaniels. 
Um, Aaron Neesmith out of Vanderbilt, uh, who does some some similar things as well. A lot of interesting guys there, guys bouncing back and forth. But I think, Tony, you really hone in on something that I think is really important. You know, the, the league continues to evolve. And as it evolves, certain positions become more important than other positions or there become certain positions that teams really obsess about uh, finding particular players uh, in the draft. And it certainly seems that these three and D uh, type type of players that can guard twos, threes, fours in the league are, are the most coveted positional players uh, in the draft right now. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. I'm your host, Leif Tulane. Coming up, we will hear some very impressive stats for Sadiq Bey, but first I wanted to add something about Bey. Sadiq Bey is a very well-rounded player with size and length that translate to the league. He may never be a dominant athlete, but he knows how to play the game. As Tony Jones said, his going to Villanova really helps him. He's been well taught. His fundamentals and understanding of the game are phenomenal, and he won't have as sharp of, learn- of a learning curve as some others. Like all Villanova players, he was taught to drive and kick. He knows how to jump stop. Nova shot more threes than just about anyone last year. So he's picked and popped, he's caught and shot, and he's ran off screens to get to his shot. He knows how to play and has seen it all in his two seasons there and seemingly only got better as the season went on and the Big East uh, contenders got more familiar with him. Bay may, may take some time adjusting to the speed of the NBA, but his shooting and intangibles he brings to the table in playmaking, rebounding, and defense should all be there from day one. Bay reminds me a little of Tobias Harris or a better shooting Nick Batum. Those are my thoughts, and here are the impressive stats I mentioned earlier, courtesy of radio host of the Utah Jazz and host of the Locked On Jazz podcast, David Locke. Let's go to Siddiqui Bay, who I looked at yesterday. 93rd percentile in transition on 52 attempts. Pretty good, but not great in isolation. I can see that. He's big. His body, 6'8", 215. His body seems heavy. Like, he puts it on the deck. Came off a nice pick and roll with the right hand. Couldn't get by the guy to get to the rim. But then passed out of it, which was nice. Um, so I'm not surprised by that number Look, watching him. Pretty interesting, though. 6'7", 6'8", 215, pick and roll ball handler in the 88th percentile. Of the about 25 players I've looked at, he's got the third best pick and roll number on 66 attempts. Now that, from a Jazz standpoint, that's pretty interesting. And that's, I'm convinced, something you can develop. Spot-up percentile, 98th percentile on spot-ups for Siddiqui Bay. 98th percentile in overall catch and shoot. 95th percentile in catch and shoot on guard. Wait a sec, what do we got going here? So we got a guy who's 6'8", 215, he is 21. It's a little old for a sophomore, worth taking a look at, who's in the 93rd percentile in transition, 88th percentile in pick and roll, 98th percentile in spot up, 98th percentile in catch and shoot, 95th percentile in catch and shoot unguarded, not great off the bounce. Okay, 39th percentile off the bounce. Well, frankly, if he could shoot off the bounce, he's an all-star. Can you teach that? Maybe. He has natural touch. What's his free throw shooting? Is this shooting? It's a great way to look at someone. Is their free throw shooting to know whether three-point shooting's natural? 64% is freshman year, 77% last year. Interesting. What were his conference numbers? Second time through the conference, people know him a little bit. How did his Big East conference numbers look? Oh, he shot 48% from three. Oh. 
the numbers on Siddiqui Bay are pretty outstanding. I may have watched Siddiqui Bay to be able to, and ended up watching Robert Woodard Jr., but the numbers on Siddiqui Bay are pretty outstanding. How about that? Well, I'm going to watch more of them. That'll be more tonight. We'll have more on Siddiqui Bay in tomorrow's show. We'll also have more on Robert Woodard tomorrow's show. Take some time to get to see these guys, but those numbers are real. I don't know that he's available for the Jazz, but if he is, and by the way, I think there's a bunch of players in here who if you believe in, you trade up to go get. And I don't know if there's teams where the draft pick dropping five or seven points in the draft is going to help people with the luxury tax, but maybe. Because there are some players here where the numbers are good enough. If you like what you're seeing, you might really like it. They shut the lights out last season, as you just heard. And that would be a welcome addition to a team in the Portland Trailblazers that have been looking for a good 3 and D guy since the loss of Nick Batum, who Bay could play a similar role to for the Blazers. And without further ado, let's head to Portland to hear about Sadiq Bay from Locked On Blazers host Mike Richmond. So we talked about Sadiq Bey's resume, a very good college basketball player at a school known for producing pretty darn good pros. Maybe not stars. I mean, Kyle Lowry is a star, but he's been in the league for over a decade. Uh, I'm not sure Jalen Brunson and Ryan Archidiakono and Omari Spellman are going to be stars. I don't think Dante DiVincenzo and Josh Hart are going to be stars, but I think they're all pretty solid now early on in their careers and could project to be really solid going forward. And that's kind of what the consensus seems to be on Sadiq Bay. There are a group of players, and we're going to talk about all of them on this very podcast, but he's the first draft profile we're doing. But there's a group of players kind of in this range, in from about 13 to 19, that are all kind of 3 and D type wings. And for my money, Sadiq Bay is the most intriguing. I am not someone who watches a ton of college basketball. I watch every Carolina game. So in the case of Nazir Little last year, I was very familiar with the Blazers' first-round pick. But for the most part, I don't. I haven't seen these guys. I've watched them on YouTube a little bit, or I've caught them usually in the NCAA tournament, but with no NCAA tournament this year, there wasn't sort of a chance to do my couch scouting. So I want to be upfront. I am relying on the work of others who know more about the NBA draft than I do. But what I am good at is researching. And I have done a great deal of research to provide you these draft profiles. I've read a whole lot of words. I've watched a whole lot of videos. I don't feel comfortable saying, I saw Sadiq Bey do this. But I do feel comfortable saying, other people believe he can do this. And that's what I want to do in this segment, is talk to you about what other folks believe his strengths and weaknesses are. This is not the Mike G. Rich stamp of approval. I give my opinions on this podcast all the time, and I will continue to do so. And I've told you, based on what I've read, I really like Sadiq Bey. But it's not based on hours of film study or watching 30 Villanova games this year. That's not what I'm doing. I just want to be upfront about the process. I have put together a sort of consensus strengths and weaknesses. This is from The Ringer. Kevin O'Connor's uh, scouting reports on The Ringer. Really valuable. Check those out. ESPN's Mike Schmidt and Jonathan Giovanni's profiles and the athletic profiles by Sam Vecini. Those are the three that I'm relying on the most. I've read some other ones at NBA DraftNet, CBS Sports, SI, all these things. But those are the three where I feel that they're the most in-depth. From my years of doing this, I feel like they're the most trustworthy. 
They don't always match up perfectly, but the strengths and weaknesses are sort of a consensus of what folks think. And I will highlight any things that seem to be contradictory across these draft profiles. So first of all, Sadiq Bey, everyone calls him a three and D wing because that's what he is. I think he played a little bit of power forward or a lot of power forward at, at Villanova, but he also played a little bit of a three and he also played a little bit of point guard according to ESPN where he was if maybe not the straight up point guard, he was the offensive initiator running some pick and rolls. I think that's valuable because the three and D skills are for real. He's, he's a good spot up shooter. He's got a kind of a funky release, but it's fast. And he, and he can really shoot 45% on almost six attempts a game, five and a half attempts a game. He can, he can, he can get that done. He has, um, a, like I said, a little bit of those playmaking skills. He's, he's run a little bit of, uh, run a little bit of point guard, run a little bit of sort of offensive initiator. And, and, those who who have watched him do this think that he's he's a pretty good decision maker, pretty good passer, pretty just just a guy with like a pretty good feel for the game. And more importantly than that, because I don't know how many times he's going to be asked to run a pick and roll. He plays for the Portland Trailblazers. Quite frankly, he's going to be asked to watch Damian Lillard and do some other stuff. But that other stuff will definitely include defense. And folks that have watched and scouted Sadiq Bay think that he's a versatile defender. He can guard somewhere between two and three positions, probably both the two and three. Maybe a little bit of four, although there's some questions about his strength early on in his career in the way that plenty of rookies maybe aren't strong enough to make that immediate jump into the league. The other thing that I think intrigues me the most about Sadiq Bey and why I, I why he's number my number one on dudes I would draft if I had the 16th pick in the NBA draft is that everyone who's watched him says that he's he plays really hard, sets the tone with his intensity, makes plays just by hustling and doing things of that nature, I think that's really valuable. That That is a sort of a role player skill that you're going to need in the NBA because you're not going to be a star. And a dude who can just sort of be productive in that way just just by hustle is, to me, the kind of sort of the, the profile that you want when you're adding to this Blazer team. So those are his strengths. His weaknesses, I don't think they're huge red flags, but I think they're real. One of them that I noticed in the videos that I watched is that he's kind of got a, a weird-looking shot. He shoots sort of in front of his face. It's got a little bit of the Anthony Simons release. Um, what I have written down here is unorthodox mechanics. That's a very kind way to put it, Michael. Good job. I'm not exactly sure that having a weird shot is make it, well, like will make it harder for you to make that transition to the league, but it is noticeable. It's noticeable that he has a little bit of a weird shot and weird mechanics. And for a guy who's, you know, shooting, th- making the jump from shooting threes at the college level to the NBA level, it's a further three-point line. The athletes are better. You have less time to get it off, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a thing scouts notice. It's a thing that I noticed in the little bit that I watched him. The other area of concern is that while he's long and plays hard is that Sadiq Bey isn't an explosive athlete. He doesn't have a lot of highlights where he throws down massive dunks considering his frame, you know, 6'8 with an almost 7-foot-long wingspan. He's he he's not a terrible athlete. I don't mean to imply that, but I just he's not an explosive athlete. He's not Nazir Little. He doesn't have all these highlights where you're like, whoa, that's the most athletic dude on the floor. That's not what you see. And that's not what, what the scouting reports I've read have described him as, is that he's 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 maybe not an elite athlete. He is long and can shoot, and probably can defend a couple different spots, but he's not going to jump off the page as someone who sets up crazy highlight plays. The other thing I noticed, just perusing his box scores, relatively low steal and block rates. Doesn't doesn't get a ton of steals, doesn't block a lot of shots. He had a couple games with multiple blocks, a couple games with multiple steals, but it wasn't. he didn't 
certainly didn't average over over one a game in either of those and and didn't didn't have any sort of standout games where he had you know three and three I know typically and this is something that Kevin Pelton has taught me over the years that steal rates and block rates are actually a pretty good judge of um of an of being a good defender at the next level uh they they do tend to um suggest that uh a guy who gets a bunch of steals and blocks in college will end up being a pretty darn good player. It's why the uh, analytics were really high on Danny Green coming out of UNC. It's why they're really high on Matisse Thibel coming out of uh, UW last year, and he ended up being a, a pretty darn good defender as a rookie. Um, guys who get steals and blocks in college typically translate into being pretty good defenders. Sadiq Bey doesn't have those big numbers. It doesn't mean that he won't be a elite defensive player in the league or even a good defensive player in the league, but it, it doesn't. There isn't these sort of metrics you can point to right now today and say, "Well, look. I mean, if guys who block shots at this level, guys who get steals at this level, they do this." You don't have that with that. You just it's just something you can't point to. So that's the strengths and weaknesses of Sadiq Bay. He's a shooter who can has a little bit of playmaking juice to his game, although he isn't an elite ball handler and a guy who breaks down players off off the dribble. He's one dribble, two dribble, pull up moves, but he can really shoot it, and he and he's comfortable at handing the ball at his size. But he's not an elite athlete, and he has kind of a wonky jump shot and doesn't get a lot of steals. A wonky jump shot that goes in should be fine. Should be fine, right? I'm not worried about it just yet. He's my ideal fit for the Blazers, and I want to talk about that more in the third segment. This is a guy who I pegged for when I started reading about these guys. I said this is this is the player the Blazers should try to draft. So I want to close out the show selling you on that. Sadiq Bey is the ideal pick for the Blazers. I'm going to tell you why. That's it for today on Locked on NBA Draft. We have lots more draft prospects to come in the few weeks leading up to the NBA Draft on November 18th, so you know where to get all your information on your favorite teams and prospects. Check out the episodes on Sadiq Bey's fellow 3 and D prospects, Aaron Neesmith and Josh Green, as well as Maryland big guy Jalen Smith. Tune in for an, uh, an episode next time on polarizing prospect Patrick Williams. This has been Locked on NBA Draft. Thanks for listening. I'm Leif Tulin.